This is a Rooster Teeth production. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a brand new episode of Annual Pass. This is the place where we share our love of theme parks as well as everything having to do with the world of amusement. I am your host, Jack Patillo, and as always, I'm joined by my beautiful co-host, Jeffrey Ramsey. Hi, Jeff. How you doing, buddy? I'm pretty good, Jack, and I got to say, you really uh-huh. pulled it out on that one. I did. The audience is never going to know this because of the power of editing. Uh-huh. <laughs> but that was your second attempt, and and I was very kind. I was like, you know what, Jack, we can do it again. It's okay. I was trying to be supportive. Can we call the first one an attempt? It was it just <laughs> fell apart just right off the bat. There was definitely room for improvement, and you did. The thing Man. that I was going to say is that I uh-huh. didn't impart upon you is What's you that? only get one do over. So if you hadn't nailed this one, we were going with it regardless. Oh, that's okay. It turned out well because you. I I'd, I give you a solid B plus on that okay. one. Okay, I'll take a B plus. Yeah. That's fine. That's good. Yeah, maybe it's because I have so much information shoved in my head for this episode. Today, Jeff, we are talking about It's a Small World. So this is a very classic ride, and there is a lot of stuff written about It's a Small World that we'll be getting to shortly. Would you say this is one of the most famous theme park rides of all time? Certainly one of the most iconic of all time, right? I would say probably just, I mean, if anything, do in part that there's five versions of it, not counting the original version that was at the World's Fair back in 1964. I think it was 64 or 65, 64. Yeah, this this thing has been classic. You know a ride is classic when the Simpsons parody it. And so <laughs> in the Itchy and Scratchy Land episode, I believe uh, what well, Lisa drinks some water from the, uh, the It's a Small World knockoff they have there and becomes the Lizard Queen. So <laughs> it's pretty impressive. Yeah, It's a Small World has been around for a long time. A lot of people think like, oh, it's, you know, it opened with the park. It didn't actually. It's a Small World came in to the park in uh, 1966 and at Disneyland in 1966 and the park opened. I want to say 61 or 50. I, when, when, when did Disneyland open? Disneyland opened July 17th, 1955, so it actually came quite a bit later, 11 years after park opening. This is why this podcast deserves to exist, because I just learned (laughs) two things today. It's super informative. Well, I learned that Disneyland opened in 1955, Mm -hmm. and I learned that It's a Small World didn't uh, show up on the scene until 1966, a full 11 years after the park opened. I would have bet my life on that one being an opening day attraction. (laughs) I know that's one of those things you think when you think Disney, you think like a haunted mansion, you think pirates, you think it's a small world. And I genuinely didn't know until today when I was doing my research that it wasn't an opening day attraction. Magic Kingdom it was, though, for sure. Okay. I was about to say, I just realized I remember riding It's a Small World as a kid. Like, as soon as you mentioned it, I immediately remembered riding it and that picture I showed you of me with the Mickey Mouse ears. And Uh I definitely rode It's a Small World on that same trip, and I 100% remember it now. That's that's crazy. That's interesting, then, because It's a Small World's at Magic Kingdom. It's not at Epcot. I know, but we we did Epcot and Magic Kingdom on that trip. Oh, Okay, yeah. cool, cool. Yeah, it's it's a small world. Obviously, the song that goes along with it, the da na 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 that's the earworm that surpasses all earworms. The Sherman Brothers wrote that thing, and it's one of those things. Like I now have that song stuck in my head for the past four hours while doing research for this episode. <laughs> so, and it won't go away. This will be the next two weeks of my life with that song stuck in my head, and hopefully yours too. What else? Oh yeah, real quick. Uh, hey Jeff, today this episode is being released on June 10th. Do you know what that means? Nine days till my birthday. That too. It also means today 
if you're listening to this when it first came out, today is the grand opening of Velocicoaster, oh. which you and I are in Florida right now. Oh, we're there, aren't we? This is actually the day after. We, we got to ride it a day early. We wrote it on June 9th, and next week's episode of Annual Pass is going to be covering Velocicoaster, because today, June 10th, Assuming everything works properly, <laughs> we are <laughs> recording an episode about Velocicoaster at Universal Studios Orlando. Our friends over there uh, gave us access to their recording studio, and we're actually recording an episode right now. Dude, I hope we don't screw it up. I hope so, too. I hope future us, which is current us to the audience listening to this, was as smart as past us hopes we are <laughs> or were and will be. I just hope you don't throw up on me is, is more than anything because <laughs> we're still not sure if you're coaster averse or you're cool with it because we have lots of plans, Jeff. We have to justify spending the money to go to Florida for yeah. uh, you, me and producer Ben, who's yeah. uh, coming out as well. And this is the precursor to hashtag annual pass, send annual pass to Japan. Hashtag annual pass, send annual pass to Japan. Seems like an obnoxiously long hashtag. Let's shorten it down to just hashtag send annual pass to Japan. How about that? That makes, that sounds better. Okay. So this will be our first attempt at an actual trip. You and I are going to a theme park together for the first time ever, Jeffrey. I could not be more excited. I guess that's true, huh? Yeah. I mean, we've already done it. As far as like us dumb past selves, we have no idea all the fun that current us are in the process of having right now. I'm I'm excited about how well the podcast is going. No technical problems, and it didn't rain the entire trip, is what I'm guessing. That's awesome. It's so good. Who would have thought? Yeah. But hey, we were prepared because we used my five tips that I gave in a previous episode. <laughs> yeah, we had uh, food and and poncho and your Tylenol in your in your hat or whatever, and extra socks and all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a lot of good notes from people uh, sending stuff about like extra tips for the uh, my five tips on theme park travel. And of course, I don't remember any of them. A lot of people are saying, though, if you don't like the over the shoulder bags, a lot of people are saying the sort of pull strap, the convention bags will actually mess up your shoulder over some time. So getting a proper backpack is not a bad idea. And I, I agree with that. Have, if you can get a, a simple, simple backpack with like one pocket or just two pockets go with that but really it's just a matter you don't want one of those you know crazy like apple backpacks where it has like 15 different pockets and components and things that the security has to search through so I'm, I'm okay if you get a normal one but anyway that's a previous episode speaking of bags and stuff like that we've got shirts up on our store, store.roosterteeth.com. Go ahead and grab an annual pass shirt. We're in the process of trying to convince everyone to make more annual pass merchandise. So hopefully we'll have more of that stuff up soon. And also while you're supporting annual pass, if you want to, you know, give us a review on a, on a podcast service, that'd be great. Or follow us on our socials, annual underscore pass on Twitter and on Instagram. So, and also uh, you and I are going to be doing a lot of Instagram live and all of that while we're in Orlando, Jeff. I guess we already did. I, I can't believe we that went so well. Also, once again, no technical problems. It was amazing. Went off without a hitch. <laughs> I just realized that'll all literally be yesterday. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's why well, I'm I hope so you watched. I'm so blown away by how well it went. I hope I tweeted and Instagrammed about that in advance instead of the day after. Anyway. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, okay. I'm putting this off because I've got a lot of information sitting in front of me, Jeff. You better get right to it. Jeff, are you ready to talk about It's a Small World? Yes, I am. All right, Jeff. So It's a Small World. Classic ride, as we said before, is one of the most well-known theme park attractions on the planet, I'd be willing to bet. Iconic, they say. I hear a lot of people mistakenly believe it was one of the attractions that they launched Disneyland with, but that's not true. Came about 10, 11 years later, yeah. Yeah, it did, absolutely. 
If there was a theme park hall of fame, this would be in the inaugural class, I think. Okay. There probably is a theme park hall of fame, but I don't know. It opened again May 28th, 1966 at Disneyland, and it's open at five different parks across the planet. Magic Kingdom, it opened October 1st, 1971. That's Orlando, and that's opening day. Tokyo Disneyland, April 15th, 1983. Disneyland Park in Paris, which initially was Euro Disney, was April 12th, 1992. And Hong Kong Disneyland, April 28th, 2008. It's a 12 to 15 minute long ride, depending on how busy it is. So. I don't know if you remember or not, but sometimes when they're really packed, it takes some time to unload the boat. So they'll start stacking up. So eventually you'll kind of start hanging out in the finale and have to listen to that song over and over and over oh. and over again as you're waiting for the boats to clear out in front of you. I thought you were going to say that on an especially busy days, they just speed the song up a little bit. <laughs> just just, you know, a few percentage points Like you wouldn't notice. It's like 10 percent, but it, it'll, it, it'll it'll get us a couple thousand people a day through. So no, no, it's consistent. It's uh, if this is known as an old mill ride, an old mill ride. Apparently, there was an actual attraction called the Old Mill at Coney Island back in like the 1800s, but mm -hmm. it's also known as the Tunnel of Love kind of ride. So slow moving water ride, basically, there's just a little current and all that that current is just enough to push your boat forward. So throughout the attraction, there are different turbines that okay. will kind of keep the water flowing. That's it. It's, there's no track. I mean, it's literally you just have bumpers on the side of your boat and you kind of bump back and forth just gently. But it's so slow moving and so soft that you don't even notice it. But uh, yeah, it's an old mill ride, which I'm sure we will ride another old mill ride at some point. Maybe we'll, you and I will find a tunnel of love somewhere, Jeff. I can't wait because I am reading all about <laughs> old mill rides while you talk right now. And there's a bunch of them. There's a lot of them. There's a lot of them. The iconic song was written by the Sherman Brothers. So this is Robert and Richard Sherman. They've done tons and tons and tons of Disney music. Anything that, you know, the old school Walt era. If you watch that movie about Mary Poppins, the Sherman brothers are in there. It's like BJ Novak and I think Jason Schwartzman. Do you mean Mary Poppins? I've seen Mary Poppins. Well, I mean, no, no, no. It's uh, Saving Mr. Banks, I think. Is the oh, name of it. you mean Mary Poppins, the remake with what's her face? Emily Blunt. Uh, yes, that's the one. That's the okay. one with Emily Blunt. Yeah. And Lin-Manuel Miranda. The Sherman Brothers are in the, No, they're not. They're, they're not in that. <laughs> they, anyway, the Sherman Brothers, uh, they've written tons and tons of music for Disney. So Walt actually, so initially... I like that you're on a first name basis with him. Oh, yeah. Me and the dubs. Yeah, my old pal, Walt. Dub man. Dub alt. <laughs> he initially, so he wanted a song for this attraction he was building. Initially, the name of the ride, the attraction was called Children of the World. And then the Sherman Brothers came up with a song. It's a small world. And they sang it to him. Initially, it was really slow. It was like a ballad. Mm -hmm. And then Walt said, hey, speed it up a little bit. And they sped it up. You know, then it took off. Walt loved the song so much that he changed the name of the ride to match the song. So it became It's a Small World. I heard that he said on especially busy days, speed the song up even a little more. <laughs> And also don't forget to, you know, ramp up the charge of churros. <laughs> so technically, this is interesting. Technically, this is the most played song ever. So in 2014, there was an estimate that had been played over 50 million times. And that was six years ago. Is that what year is this? No, it's five, six years ago, six, five, seven years ago, seven years ago. That's right. Math. So I imagine it's been played quite a few more times. You got to think five different parks playing this song nonstop all day. So the most played song ever. Yes, supposedly. That's crazy to think about. I don't know if you ever how you can track it, but that's fascinating, right? Yeah, I don't know. And I bet Psy would have something to say about that. <laughs> Maybe uh, Taylor Swift as well. But uh, the thing that's crazy about that, too, is you realize how many how many 
listens, did you say? Over 50 million, and this was seven years ago. Okay, so it's probably a few more since then. But that is such an interesting new stat to track. Like, if you if yeah. you think about, like, a, like the universe is many, many... Earth is very old, right? Uh, yes. Been around for a while. But we've only had recordable music for, you know, 150 years or so. So, like, the previous most played song ever from, you know, 1850 or below mm. was probably dramatically less, like... 820 times in history it had been played, <laughs> yeah. maybe, if that. Not only you bring it up, though, it is interesting because, yeah, like Psy and, you know, like Gangnam Style, and there's a lot of music now on YouTube that has literally, like, I think Gangnam Style has like a billion views, right? Well over, I think. I, I bet Rick Astley has, uh, that song has been started more than any yeah. other song. <laughs> maybe not finished. <laughs> the first five <laughs> seconds of it. It's like, yeah. ah! Yeah, so I don't know. I don't know if that stat still holds up because really, no one drops, you know, It's a Small World on their YouTube playlist, you know, but if you go to the park, it's always playing. So interesting idea to bring up. So I didn't even think about yeah, that. There yeah. You go. This is also kind of cool too. So again, this attraction was made in 1964. And the reason for it was the theme of peace and unity, which is pervasive throughout the attraction. The idea of it came after the 1962 Cuban Missile Crisis. Mm. So it was based off that, which uh, those of you who don't know, we almost went to World War Three back in 1962, where uh, supposedly Russia put missiles in Cuba right off the you know Florida coast. And it was a whole, whole thing that's putting it mildly. If you want to learn more information about that, you can watch X-Men First Class. Yeah, the history books put it mildly as a whole thing. <laughs> it's a uh, it's a lot to get into. Yeah, it's that's a, a big, just no things was bad and now then things was good. <laughs> and and Walt Disney said, "No, damn it, I'm singing a song of unity. We're gonna fix this. We're gonna write this ship. We're, we're gonna, they're like dig a trench." Around. We're making a tunnel, and we're going to fill it with little kids from all over Earth, and they're all going to be singing songs together, and there will be no more war. Oh, man. Oh, also, uh, Walt wanted a song that was easily translated into multiple languages, so that's why the actual song only has, like, a half a chorus. It's like, it's such a, it's such a brief song, but anyway. Oddly enough, so this is, you know, ch children from all over the world, the ride was sponsored by Bank of America. For up until 1990, <laughs> and then uh, Mattel from 92 to 99, and now uh, Siemens, which is a global corporation, yeah. uh, they they sponsor it. So that's pretty interesting. A lot of this information I'm pulling from Wikipedia. I've got some other great sources that I'll reference later, but I also went to the Disney website. So this is from their website. This is, quote, the happiest cruise that ever sailed. Voyage along the Seven Seaways Canal and behold a cast of almost 300 audio animatronic dolls representing children from every corner of the globe as they sing the classic anthem to world peace in their native languages. Amid vibrant backdrops, you'll travel through country after country and by journey's end, you'll see that it's really a small world after all. Again, also on their site, it's a small world created for the 1964-1965 New York World's Fair, personally overseen by Walt Disney in support of the United Nations Children's Fund, UNICEF. The attraction was a huge hit for two seasons at the fair and was eventually shipped back to Disneyland Park, where it opened on May 28, 1966. Walt Disney was smart because the World's Fair, which doesn't really exist anymore. We don't really do that anymore. It exists still, doesn't it? I mean, not to the level that I think it did back. I mean, it's I think, not what it was back then, but I think they still have it. But the thing back then is like, so Walt Disney at this time, you know, Disneyland opened in 1955 and different corporations saw what Walt and the Imagineers were doing at Disneyland. And at the World's Fair, it's kind of showing off your stuff, kind of showing off the future of technology. And, you know, like Ford would show off new cars. And so they would have all these different companies would come and show off cool things. And they went to Walt Disney and the Imagineers to make 
attractions to have at the World's Fair. Now, this worked out really well in Walt Disney's favor because a lot of those attractions that they built for the World's Fair, Disney in his contract said, these are mine. I get to take them and put them in Disneyland when we're done with them here. And they all signed Mm -hmm. off on it. So like, you know, obviously it's a small world was for UNICEF, but like the Carousel of Progress, which is another classic one came back. What year was this? You said it was the 1964 World's Fair, 1964, 1965. That was, I'm looking it up that the, the theme, it was in New York. The theme of the World's Fair that year was peace through understanding. You didn't already say that, did you? The peace. No, I did not. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, so a lot of attractions that were built for the World's Fairs ended up coming back to the parks. So uh, that's pretty cool. Really clever. I mean, it's Walt Disney was a good businessman. <laughs> to, no, to yeah, for least. sure. For sure. And while we're throwing out little factoids, Jack. Go for it. You might be interested to know that until very recently, the World's Fair was going to be in Buenos Aires in 2023. But they have since backed out, uh, hmm. citing COVID concerns. But it is still anticipated that there will be Expo 2025 in Osaka, Japan. And the Ooh. theme will be designing future society for our lives. We should go to that. And while we're in Japan, we can go to Disney World. Sounds good. Hashtag send annual pass to Japan. Hashtag (laughs) annual pass, send annual pass to Japan. But we should probably go before 2025. (laughs) Okay. Just to get a lay of the land. And to make sure that we're both still alive. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Again, from their website, Walt Disney selected Mary Blair as art director and Alice Davis as costumer to bring It's a Small World to life. With her distinctive use of color, geometric shapes, and simple, childlike art style, art director Mary Blair was known for her unique visual aesthetic. Her colored paper collages give you the impression of sailing through an illustrated children's book. So if you ride the ride, you see those classic sort of flat designs. That's straight up Mary Blair. Like, mm-hmm. apparently, like, people claim, like, this was her ride. Like, she did so much on this thing that it's 100% hers. And, I mean, obviously, you know, like, she influenced the, the attraction in so many ways. Under the direction of designer Alice Davis, with help from her husband, Imagineer Mark Davis, the Disney seamstress sewed over 300 costumes in all. Authentic materials were used for each region's traditional attire from silks for the Saris of India and fine wool for the Scottish bagpiper. The Scottish bagpiper is my favorite character in the whole ride. Mm -hmm. He's so great. Recently, in 2009, there was a kind of a hubbub, Jeffrey. So in 2009, Disney went through and they placed some characters from their movies in the ride and this was a a pretty significant thing a lot of people got upset about this this was a lot of uh, you know people that go you're destroying Walt's vision and all of that but sort of Disney's pushback was people ride this attraction and they don't see anything that they recognize and so they play some characters in country appropriate areas like it says, during your cruise, keep an eye out for Peter Pan and Tinkerbell in England, Cinderella in her native France, Pinocchio and Jiminy Cricket in Italy, Aladdin and Jasmine in the Middle East, the Three Caballeros in Mexico, Ariel and Flounder under the sea, which apparently is a country, Lilo and Stitch <laughs> in the South Pacific, and Woody, Bullseye, and Jesse in the Southwestern USA. So that's another interesting fun fact. I was going to save it for after the walkthrough, but we can, we can talk about it now. So there was, a, I think, a South American rainforest section that they actually got rid of and added a Southwest USA area, kind of like the prairie kind of area where they threw in Jesse and uh, and Trigger and Woody. Uh, Because initially in the ride, the only characters that represented the USA, the the continental USA, there was Hawaii, but like the the 48 states of USA, there was a cowboy and I think a cowgirl maybe, or, or I think maybe it was a Native American girl in the finale. And that was it. There was no USA in the actual attraction. Wow. Which is pretty interesting. There, there was no North America. Or if there was, I mean, it was just Canada and Mexico. Yeah. But there's definitely Mexico. So I don't I, I guess there just wasn't a USA. So they've added in a kind of a small USA section now 
Look at us coming up in the world. Yeah, we're, finally. We're, finally, we're making, America's getting some respect on the world stage. Finally, our time. It's yeah. our time. Up here, down here, this is our time. Uh, and also outside, uh, the facade was designed by Disney Imagineer Roly or Raleigh Crump. Raleigh or R-O-L-L-Y, who was inspired by Mary Blair's styling. Walt Disney asked Raleigh to design a large 30-foot clock, a central feature of the exterior facade, with a smiling face that rocks back and forth to a ticking sound. It's actually a glockenspiel. Do you know what a glockenspiel is, Jeff? I know the name. It is a big-ass clock that okay. has, every 15 minutes, it has sort of a, a thing that pops up, sort of a scene that occurs every 15 oh, minutes. Yeah, you mean a clockenspiel. Yeah, that, I'm sorry. I read it wrong. <laughs> I, I, I hit a G. No worries. On the hour, there's actually like a scene where like the clock tower opens up and these characters come out. They play music. It's really, really beautiful. But that wasn't in the initial World's Fair version. That was in the Disneyland version. They built that and Raleigh themed it around what Mary Blair had done inside the ride. So it all is consistent across the board. That's cool. The one in Magic Kingdom is a little bit different. It's all undercover. It's actually the one in Disneyland is outside. So you actually you board outdoors and then it goes inside. The one in Disney World, the kind of queue area is indoors and then you, you load indoors and then ride the whole thing. And then Mary Blair went on to host the Great British Bake Off and then she was eventually <laughs> replaced by Prue. Is that how that went? Yes, yes. Okay, that's great. Just make sure. Just make sure. The White Walker, Mary Blair. <laughs> also, so during those refurbishments back in 2008, 2009, it was 11 months of refurbishments. The boats were redesigned to look like a child's toy boat with brighter colors. They also hold fewer passengers now, so they don't have as many. And then the Spirit of America Room. So this is the one. It featured a scene of the American West. That's the one that it replaced the Rainforest Room. The new version of the Rainforest was moved to the South Seas Room. So it kind of got moved around a little bit. It would be funny if they cut it back a bit. <laughs> for progress. Yeah, for progress. <laughs> God. Uh, there are 29 different Disney and Pixar characters in the attraction, including Peter Pan, Tinkerbell, Abu's in there, Donald Duck, Simba, Pumbaa, Timon, Ariel Flanders, tons of them all kind of scattered throughout. And also the soundtrack has been augmented in a few places to match kind of the Disney movie song. So it's no longer just pure it's a small world. Sometimes it actually sort of used the Disney songs like the golden afternoon can be heard near Alice in Wonderland and a whole mm. new world near Jasmine and Aladdin. Interesting. So shout out to all ears.net for those updates. I've been pulling. There's tons of stuff here uh, real quick before we get into the thing. Shout out to disboards.com and Disney Philip, who has a list of all the different uh, countries we'll be going through and also DisneyAdulting.com as well, which is a great website has a lot of things. And of course, Wikipedia and the Disney website too. One last fun fact, Jeff, at every single scene, which is like the rooms that you go through, mm -hmm. every single room has a sun and a moon in it somewhere. Like some are easier to spot than others, but there's a sun and a moon in every single room. Do you know why? I do not. Okay. I'm assuming because the sun rises and sets all over the planet, maybe? Maybe. That's true. We all live under the same sun and the same moon. Maybe it was a unifying theme. <laughs> do we live under the same moon? I'm not, I'm not convinced of that. <laughs> hey, we're going to take a quick break from talking about theme park stuff to tell you about video games. That's right. I finally get to read an ad about video games for annual pass. It's pretty great. Let me tell you a little bit about Final Fantasy VII Intergrade. Grab your weapons and join the resistance because Final Fantasy VII Remake Intergrade for PlayStation 5 is here. The shadowy Shinra Corporation is draining the planet's life force for their own gain like any shadowy corporation would do, of course. But not all is lost. 
the mercenary Cloud Strife teams with Tifa, Barrett, and Aerith to take Shinra down. Oh, whether they succeed depends on you. You decide their fate. We are so excited for Final Fantasy VII Remake Intergrade. This definitive edition of the award-winning Final Fantasy VII Remake has expanded graphical, gameplay, and system enhancements, and it brings Final Fantasy's visuals to the next level. It's got more realistic backgrounds, it's got better lighting, it's all around beautiful to look at. Intergrade also gives you the ability to switch between graphics modes if you want 4K and performance mode if you prefer the you know super smooth 60 frames per second kind of action. I personally like the, the smooth frame rate. That's my that's my favorite. Intergrade even comes with the episode Intermission. Get I N T E R Intermission, a brand spanking new episode featuring Wu Tai Ninja Yuffie as the main character. Play as Yuffie as she conspires with the Avalanche HQ to steal the ultimate materia from the Shinra Electric Power Company. You gotta go for waterworks after that. Play as new characters and enjoy expanded gameplay experience featuring multiple new combat additions. Buy Final Fantasy VII Remake Intergrade for PlayStation 5 today. You have to go to sqex.link slash remakeap. That's sqex.link backslash remakeap. Like L-I-N-K. Actually type in link. That's not a, that's not a, I'm not saying it wrong. I promise you. sqex.link slash remakeap. Check it out. It's pretty awesome to finally talk about video games on a roller coaster podcast. <laughs> so, all right, and that's that. Check that out if you can. Make sure to let them know that we sent you. And let's get back to the podcast. All right, I've got a sip of my mint-flavored tea from my beautiful wife, and I'm ready. Are you ready, Jeff? Are you ready to talk about It's a Small World? I'm super ready. It's, oh, by the way, I looked it up. It's to enhance, uh, that's dumb. <laughs> it's meant to imply that no matter where you are in the world. Oh, okay. That's dumb. It's so dumb. It's what I said. To enhance this idea, a moon and a sun has been placed in each area of the world that you voyage through on the ride. It's meant to imply that no matter where you are in the world, you're under the same moon and the same sun as Jeff the Genius. <laughs> there you go. You nailed it. Yeah. You're an honorary Imagineer. Jeff, I am crowning you an honorary Imagineer for this podcast. Thanks, buddy. You've done it. I'll accept it. Now, you and me, Jeff Ramsey, hold my hand as we travel to Disneyland to go ride It's a Small World. You have your mouse ears ready, Jeff? I'm, I'm ready to go. All right, here we go. Get your churros, get your funnel cakes, get your mouse ears. Let's go ride It's a Small World. So here we are, Jeff. We've spent our day wandering around the theme park. Disneyland is a beautiful place. We took our photos in front of the castle. There's kids cheering in front, kids taking selfies now because that's what children do. They don't, they don't <laughs> you know, have the little camera. You take the picture and then slide the little <laughs> thing over to like get to the next thing and then develop your photos and hope they're not ruined. No, we're taking photos. We've got our hats on. We're happy. We walk through the castle. We're at Fantasyland. We pass the carousel and in the back corner of the park, it's a small world looms in front of us. We see the giant glockenspiel slash clockenspiel Thank right you. in front of us. It's oh hey look it's it's the top of the hour Jeff look it's it's going off the the, the clock is going off the, the oh look at the the trumpeteers have come out look at them going what time is it Jeff it's twelve it's noon everyone it's noon the sun is high in the sky and we're watching the the beautiful like look at the characters dancing around oh it's great well while while that's going let's get in line because everyone's distracted by the clock Jeff 
We'll get in line. Uh, we'll, okay. we'll go through, and we're in line. We can look over the rails. It's outdoors. It's beautiful. Make sure you're wearing your hat because it is hot. Hmm. And uh, we're looking down. We see the beautiful boats. They're so colorful, and all these people, they look so excited to go on this attraction. There's topiaries everywhere, all the beautiful topiaries, all the different animals and these bushes that have been developed over years to look like various animals, like there's an elephant and a giraffe, and it's so pretty, and you know, it's so well-maintained. Someone spent so much time doing this, Jeffrey. You and I were getting on the boat together, Jeff, sitting side by side. You ready? I'm right next to you. Can I sit on the left side because I'm left-handed? I know you are as well. I'm but also left-handed. <laughs> I'm older than you, so. You know. Just no, no splashing. So here we go. We're on the boat, and we're going. We're moving at a, just a whopping, like, maybe half a mile an hour. It's so <laughs> slow, and we can see the boat in front of us, too. We enter in. The first thing you see is all the welcomes. It's all the things saying hello and welcome, and uh, the logo for Siemens because they sponsored the ride as well. We're on the happiest cruise to ever go around the world. What's the what's the term I'm looking for? The happiest cruise that ever sailed. And we're going, Jeff, and we kick off immediately. Let's start off in Europe. And we've got all these tiny little animatronics and these, these beautiful, colorful cutouts. And ever since the refurbishment, there's so many pretty lights. And immediately we see figure skaters from uh, Sweden and Norway because we're starting. It's so hot, but it's we're starting off where it's cold, Jeffrey. It, it's so Ooh. chilly. <laughs> all, all the beautiful blues and look look for the sun and the moon Jeff look for the sun and the moon see if you can spot it anywhere same one I'm under I know we've got it's Scandinavia we're at we'll look for Denmark and it's so nice and then we're gonna round the oh look there's a little it's a Mountie looking dude I don't know what, why is the Mountie there and now we're in England look at all the pretty things from England and there's a moon there and there's singers on top of the moon and we see castles because castles are in Europe right Jeff sure <laughs> yes <laughs> I assume that was a rhetorical question. You're, you're, oh, you're, you're the best improv, I know. <laughs> yeah. I love castles. Hey, there we go. They're Look, everywhere. We can see, what are the names of the guys with those big tall hats that sit out in front of the castle? That's uh, Wilmer and Don. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wilmer and Don, the Queen's Guard. The Beef Eaters? Is that what they're called? That's the Beef Eaters. We see some Beef Eaters, and we're going under the Tower Bridge. It's not the London Bridge. It's the Tower Bridge. Yeah. We're going to move on. We see Bye, Wilmer. Scotland. Bye, Don. We see Ireland and Belgium. And look, there's the Eiffel Tower all lit up, Jeff. Boy, we just flew through Scotland and Ireland to get to France. No offense, guys. Look, it's can-can dancers. They're just doing ah. da -na 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 -na. Wait, I don't know what song that was. I was singing. Um. Like a, it's, a, it's like a Moulin Rouge show. I love it. Look at there that. There you go. It's like Moulin but it's, it's the da -na 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 -na. We're in a country now that they speak English, so that's convenient at least, so we can we understand what they're saying. And look at the beautiful balloons where the, everyone's floating up in the sky. It's so pretty, and the music is nice and cool. It's always nice to go on this ride because it's so cool, mm. and the water keeps it nice and clean. We can see the windmills, the windmills of Holland in front of us as well. And look, they've got they've got wooden clogs, Jeff. Oh, because it's it's Holland. Wow, we're really snaking around the world. We were just over there, not too far. Now we're back. That's true. That's true. Okay, and in front of us, oh, there's the Leaning Tower of Pisa. We can see it in the background. And we're uh, in Italy. What are the guys on the boats called? With Italians. The <laughs> Yes! Look at the Italian on the boat! <laughs> oh, man. You mean that, like, the boatmen? Well, I don't know if they have a name. Yes, Go the gondolier, gondoliers! The gondoliers! <laughs> the Italian gondoliers. All right, okay, Jeff, we're, we're gonna pass. We're done. We've gone through Spain, Italy, Switzerland. Let's move on. It's time to go to Asia, Jeff. We're going to Asia. 
which is the large, I think it's the largest continent, right? That's, that's pretty big, or is Antarctica the largest? I don't know. I'll trust you. We're in Asia right now. We're going to start off in Greece, and we see some dancers, and we're near Russia. We see we see little little figures. They're doing the Russian dance where they cross their hands. Yeah, yeah. They're singing. It's a small world song in various languages. The Taj Mahal is in front of us, Jeff. Ooh. The beautiful Taj Mahal. The reflecting pond in front of us. There's a snake charmer there as well. And look at all these beautiful, there's so many figures, Just it's it's a feast for the eyes as we look around. We've got Bali and India and then China and Japan. What are the names of the sort of um, the Japanese uh, structures or it's like the arch, but it has kind of a slope top, you see? Pagoda? The, not a pagoda, Maybe it's, it's Chinese, I think. Anyway, we're passing underneath one of those. I feel terrible that I can't think of the name of it. I feel terrible that you can't too. <laughs> as long as we <laughs> clarified that. All right. Oh, look, there's a panda. Oh, it's a panda. Uh -huh. It's so cute. If you can't tell, I'm just watching a ride walkthrough right now while we're doing no, this. No, I had no idea. You just spoiled the illusion. You blew the illusion. <laughs> it's been a while since I've ridden this one. And there's a lot to go. Hey, we're moving on to Egypt. Look, hey. it's the Sphinx in front of us, Jeff. I love it. It's a cutout, but it's really, really beautiful. And this is, if we keep an eye on it, I think we might spot Aladdin and Jasmine in here somewhere, I think. And now, yeah, it's, we're, we're in Egypt, and we've got the, the jungle nations. So, like, South Africa, Tanzania, Kenya, Uganda, and there's a donkey! Oh, look at the donkey! And there's hyenas laughing, and there's a, a pretty lion. Oh, it's so cute. And there's so many neat things to look at, and this music is just all over. Here's some giraffes as well. making What, what noise do giraffes make, Jeff? Hey, what's up? I'm a giraffe. Yes, you nailed it. It's like it's like there was a giraffe on the other side of this podcast. I gotta be honest with you, dude. I've never met a giraffe. Really? Have you met a giraffe? Yeah, yeah. Well, then you know what they sound like. They've got black tongues, right? Don't they? It's pretty creepy. Hey, let's move on to South America. Here we go. We're in South America now. Look at all of the uh, the beautiful dancers. We've got the Spanish dancers as well. Oh, we got it's the three caballeros in front of us, Jeff. Oh yeah. Yeah, and there's Donald Duck is one of the caballeros as well. We've got. Uh, Chile and Brazil and Central America, Mexico. It's so pretty. Like the color is really nice too. I really like it a lot. I like the color. It's so pretty. Hey, I love moving it. Moving on to the South Pacific. Look, it's Ariel. It's Ariel and Flounder in the South Pacific. I love Flounder. They're under the sea. It's better down where it's wetter. Take it from me. Yeah. Oh, look at all of these nations. There's another. Look at the sun. Did you find the sun? Have you been paying attention to the suns of the moons, Jeff? It's every room. Every single room. Uh, we've got the Easter Island heads up ahead of us to the left. We've got Hawaii and Australia. Oh, there's a kangaroo and there's a kid with a boomerang, Jeff. That's Australia. I, I love boomerangs. <laughs> there's some platypus. There's a platypi, Jeff. I love platypi. Everyone loves platypi. We're in the Polynesian Islands. Love Look em. at them dancing. It's Love it's so dancing. Nice. Oh, we're in, the, we're in the American Southwest now, Jeff. Ooh. Now we're in the American Southwest. I feel like I'm home again. Look at the little cowboy. And then there's Jesse. And then there's Woody and Bullseye. Yeehaw, partner. But after all of that, Jeff... All those separate countries, we're all going to unify together. We're in the finale where everyone comes together and we all sing along. It's, it's a small world after all. Sing it, Jeff. You're doing it's a great a job. Small, small world, world after. after. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's so pretty. It's white and gold, which was the color of the original facade when it was built back in uh, 1966. It's so nice. Everyone's together. All the children together singing and dancing All the from all these different nations. Uh, and then as we leave, as we go out the finale tunnel, we can see goodbye in various languages from all different countries. Uh. You can learn a few that you can remember to take home with you. We're outside again, out in the California sun. We're heading back to the dock, and we're going to unload, and we have finished. It's a small world, Jeff. We did it. That was intense. Very intense. I loved it, though. I had a lot of fun. 
pretty wild there in a few spots, but that was awesome. The only thing I would say, Jack, I feel slightly robbed mm -hmm. in only one area. What's that? I didn't get to hear you in earnest sing the song. <laughs> well, we can do that when we ride the ride together, Jeff. Uh, okay. You better. Maybe. Yes. Well, we'll see. It's a small world after all. Yeah. It's a small world after all. It's a small world after all. It's a small world after all. Nice. How was that? That was excellent, Jack. Thank you very much. Does that tickle your fancy? It was perfect. It was exactly what I was hoping for. You sort of turned into like a Tom Jones version there towards the end, but that's okay. I feel like everything you do is inspired by uh, Matt Stone and Trey Parker musicals. <laughs> so that's what I heard when I was listening to it. That's true. That is true. Oh, man. So that's It's a Small World. This is a classic attraction. I know a lot of people give it flack because of the song, but hey, it's legendary. If you, if you go to Disney and you don't ride It's a Small World, what's wrong with you? Come on. Do you not have an inner child? It's a nice time to sit down, relax for 15 minutes, get some air conditioning on you and uh, enjoy some time and maybe learn something about yourself. I also hear that uh, it's impossible to have a bad time on that ride. That is true. It is literally impossible to have a yeah. bad time. Jeff, I don't know if you remember the yeah. first episode we did of Annual Pass okay. uh, about five years ago. Yeah. We talked about our very first time going to theme parks. Like you, you talked about going to Epcot. I talked about going to Six Flags Over Texas. And I asked the audience to email us at annualpass at roosterteeth.com and send in some of their first times, some of their first experiences going to a theme parks. And believe it or not, I had a few people that mentioned it's a small world by name. Really? Yeah, and I've got a few stories here. This one's from Jordan Nelson. Uh, it says, my first time at a theme park, I don't remember very well because I was very young when we went. But my very first theme park I went to was Disneyland. And what I remember is being so confused at what was happening and why people were being so nice to me and then meeting a character, which I think was Winnie the Pooh. I don't remember. It's a little fuzzy. <laughs> what I do remember, though, is begging my parents for a very specific toy, which was a Robin Hood bow and arrow. And I loved it so much. I was absolutely obsessed with the movie at the time. The last thing I remember was driving my parents absolutely crazy because there was one ride I cared about. And that ride was It's a Small World. I'm pretty sure my parents almost just left me at the park because I only wanted to do that one ride. <laughs> but that was my first experience at a theme park that I can remember. I know you only have one episode released and I absolutely love it. You two are amazing. Thank you, Jordan, for that. Aww. And then I've got another one from Sean it says, hello, my name is Sean. Uh, and as the email may indicate, but in the community on the internet, I go by great keys. Firstly, I want to say the episode was amazing. I look forward to a great many more episodes and living the theme park life vicariously through it at the annual past podcast. So during the episode, I heard you being curious about first. So as a fellow lover of theme parks, especially Disney and feeling that geekful kinship with Jack on such a topic, I figured I would tell you my first memory of a theme park, specifically Magic Kingdom, Disney World. I have great many memories of Disney World as I was one of the lucky suburban children of the 80s and 90s that had family that would take me to Disney many times throughout the course of my young life. This, however, was the very first memory I have of Disney World and it happened in the Magic Kingdom at the age of three. My grandmother's favorite ride of all rides was It's a Small World. I know a ride for some reason can drive them to madness with the music or the animatronics, but that very ride for her was a place of magic. It was on that very ride I had a double first. Ah, yes. Not just my first memory of a theme park. I remember coming around the corner into the room with the hot air balloons in the ride, sitting in the boat next to my dad and my grandparents nearby with my grandmother just beaming, loving every moment. This is no, this is taking me a moment to write as it's been a while since I lost my grandmother, but reliving this memory brings so many bittersweet tears and feelings missing her. 
So as we were in that section of the ride, I looked up and saw the clown and one of the balloons holding a sign. In that moment, I read the sign, my very first word, help. (laughs) 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 I had to be held onto in my seat as I kept trying to jump up and down with excitement. That says help. That sign says help. I was exclaiming with excitement. I remember vividly the smell of the bromine water, the hugs, and the excitement of them seeing me read my first word, how the world opened up for me while I was in that magical place. Uh. That is still burned deeply into my mind as my first memory of a theme park. Thank you for your time and personal reading some anecdote of my life sean grakey's preston that's a beautiful story that's a fantastic memory sean and thank you so in all seriousness thank you so much for sharing it with us that was really sweet and poignant and wonderful see that kind of stuff encapsulates why i wanted to do annual pass like to me theme parks and attractions and stuff like this they're so tied into my dna and my memories i have of these things and clearly other people do as well and that's that's so cool. And like, I, it's pure love and joy and happiness, that kind of stuff. Like that story about his grandmother, that's beautiful. And I, I know stuff like that happens constantly. And that's really the driving point of why I want to do annual pass, just to, to share that love and share the excitement and joy of theme parks and what they can do and how in the right circumstances can be something magical. So thank you so much, Sean. I totally agree. I just wanted to add, like, until that moment, I had no memories of his grandmother, and now I do. And so that's, uh, I appreciate that. (laughs) I'm sure she was a lovely woman, so. I know she was. If you have any cool stories like that you want to tell us, feel free to email us, annualpass at roosterteeth.com. These are beautiful. I've received, like, 400 emails to that address, so um, I haven't gone through them all. I'm sorry if I have. I've gotten emails from so many people that say like, hey, my father was an engineer who worked on this ride. Would you be interested in talking to him? Hey, I worked on this ride. Would you be interested in talking to me? And the answer is yes. (laughs) I want to talk to everyone. We're going to start getting into more of that, more interviews with cast members and people who worked on attractions very soon. Actually, we just did one. We did one for E.T. last week. Yeah. Yeah. So we want to do more stuff like that and kind of get an insider's look into uh, some of these attractions. So thank you again, everyone who has been listening and everyone's been supporting the show. It really does mean the world to me. So, well, that's It's a Small World, Jeff. Any lingering questions or any thoughts about It's a Small World before maybe we answer a couple questions? No, just that, you know, although you tried to gotcha me out of my childhood memory, it, I definitely remember it. It was real. <laughs> we, we went to Epcot and Disney that weekend. I just don't remember anything from Disney. At least I didn't until that moment. And then it jumped back into my head. And uh, I'm kind of excited to go ride it again as an adult and see if I can find all of the... I actually think it's kind of clever that they put those Disney properties in there because it gives you a reason to be extra attentive. Yeah, you know? yeah absolutely. Kind of like the hidden Mickeys. Like, I, I kind of enjoy that stuff because it gives you a reason to... It's kind of the principle behind how Rooster Teeth started. You know, you yeah. try to look the other way, look behind the curtain, try to look behind the mechanics and and, and find the secrets and the fun, interesting things. I, I think that sounds like a really cool addition and I, I, I'm really excited to check it out. There, of course, there are hidden Mickeys on the attraction as well. I'm not sure exactly where they are, but I know they exist, so... <laughs> Any of the classic rides are going to have hidden Mickeys on them for sure. That's exciting. All right. Well, you and I will be hitting up Magic Kingdom or Disneyland sometime soon and go ride this ourselves. So you didn't ride this when you went there back last year in 2020, did you? Uh, No, unfortunately. Not for the purposes of this podcast, no. <laughs> All right. Well, a very specific reason to go this next time. All right. Let's do some Q&A. I asked our friends over on Twitter, annual underscore pass for some questions like this one from Dylan, who's at Gruesome Jeans. Do either of you have a water park that you would consider your favorites? Now, a lot of people don't think of water parks as theme parks, but they absolutely are. Jeff, do you have one, and why is it Schlitterbahn? Yeah, I was about to say, we're kind of lucky in that I'll probably get this all kinds of wrong, but I think (laughs) until very recently, Schlitterbahn, which is just south of us in New Braunfels, Texas, 
uh, one of, if not the largest water parks in America, right? Yeah, I think it may still hold that title. I think that there's one in, uh, just north of us that might be the new, it's indoor, it might be the world's largest indoor water park. Apparently, Tropical Islands Resort is the biggest indoor water park in the world. Okay. I don't know where that is. That's not the one I'm talking about. I'm looking for the eight biggest water parks in the world. Kalahari Resort. Oh, yeah, yeah. Is the one in North, like North of Austin. But I mean, obviously, if you live in Central Texas, I don't know why the answer would be anything other than Schlitterbahn. So those of you who don't know, Schlitterbahn is a, I guess, a German-themed water park. Yeah. Just uh, sitting like South Central Texas. It's classic. And a lot of water attractions actually got their start at Schlitterbahn. So like, if you've ever been on a quote-unquote water coaster, like one of those where you're sitting on a tube and you go uphill on a tube, that technology was actually designed at Schlitterbahn. They, they figured out how to do it, and they were the first park to do it is now scattered throughout the, the planet. Schlitterbahn actually has a few different parks throughout the country now. But yeah, it's awesome. The Surfenberg's down there. We can actually like do like mm-hmm. boogie boarding on a fake wave. I just love the uh, just like lazy rivers you can get on or the big wave pools you can get on. Those are so much fun. I like those because they're the only things you don't have to stand in line for seven hours to do. <laughs> okay, been to some research here. Chime Long Water Park in China is 182 hectares in size. The largest in the USA is the Noah's Ark Water Park in the u.s uh where is that located that is in i don't know (laughs) wisconsin that's an outdoor one right yeah because this kalahari one i went to their website they say it's america's largest indoor water park now Mm, okay round rock texas but you know who knows yeah i don't know where this one's located but anyway interesting i thought schlitterbahn i mean schlitterbahn is massive it's huge i'm surprised it's not on this list schlitterbahn covers that entire town (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it is New Braunfels. Yeah. You can float up to a McDonald's. It's great. So <laughs> let's see. Um, Jesus Diaz, who's at Diaz Tehman on Twitter, says Disney recently got a patent on virtual queues, potentially changing all rise to virtual queues. Would you prefer virtual queues or the classic stand in line queues? So do you know what a virtual queue is, Jeff? I do not. What is that? So basically, depending on the attraction, but most of them are, say you want to ride the Seven Dwarves Mine Train. Now with a virtual queue, what you'll do is you'll go up to the attraction and there'll be like a QR code or something you can scan in that basically is like, I'm in line. Boom. I put myself in line. And so you scan in and now you're in a virtual queue and then it'll see like, oh, you're, you know, you are 30 minutes away. You're 20 minutes away. You're five people away. You're up. And so instead of waiting in line, instead of standing in one spot in line, you actually can wander around until it's your time. There's a lot of positives and negatives about this because a lot of times like someone might, you know, just put themselves on a line and never actually go to it or they'll miss it. There's some interesting stuff that hasn't been really dealt with very much, but it is a new thing. The Rise of the Resistance ride has launching groups. So you actually have to like register early to try to get in line for Rise of the Resistance, which is the new ride at uh, Disney's Hollywood Studios in Disneyland. It looks like they might be going to more of that stuff. I personally kind of like some of the the immersive cues because they've done some really neat stuff where it's like Mm. as you're waiting in line, you kind of build the suspense in like. I remember back at Universal when you'd be on an attraction, you know, you, you go ride the uh, Jurassic Park River Adventure and they'd have those little TVs which would play commercials from Jurassic Park. And like, oh, like you kind of set up the theming a little bit earlier. I like that, but I understand not wanting to have a wait in line. I, I get that, too. And that's sort of what initially the fast passes were for. But do you have any thoughts on this, Jeff? Well, I mean, it's you're calling it a virtual queue. It sounds to me like another word for you. You just made an appointment. Yeah, same sort of idea. Having never tried it, I am a big fan of appointments and making them and meeting them. So I I assume it would work. Uh, I'm I'm willing to give it a shot. 
the problem I think people might have is it might be like fast passes where fast passes were limited or express pass for universal. They limit them per day because they don't want to have just express passes or fast passes all day. And so what would happen was in the morning, people would rush to a, an attraction like Rock and Roller Coaster, Tower of Terror and get the fast passes for the day and they'd be sold out by like noon. So if you didn't get a fast pass, if you you wouldn't be able to queue up or you wouldn't be able to, you know, get a fast pass for that attraction for the whole day. Imagine extrapolating that and blowing it up to the point where it's the entire ride. So maybe like the entire ride is full for the day. And it's like, well, that kind of sucks. If you're willing to stand in line for an hour and a half for 90 minutes for a ride, should you have the ability to do that? You know, should that be your right? Like I put myself through the punishment of waiting in line, standing in one spot. So it, it is an interesting topic of conversation. Let us know. What you would do if you'd be up for standing in line for a ride, if that if you knew you'd be guaranteed to be on it, or if you'd rather take a shot with a virtual queue, uh, use that hashtag annual pass on, on the social medias and we'll, we'll see what you guys think. Um, I'm curious to see the, the audience response for that. So you could have the best of both worlds too, Jack. You could sign up for the virtual queue and then stand there until it's your time. That is true. It's not leave. You get the benefit of a virtual queue, which allows you the freedom to do other stuff. But then you get the intransigence of standing in line waiting and you could even shuffle your feet every few minutes if you want to to strengthen the experience yeah make sure don't lock your knees because then you'll pass yeah. out. yeah stretch your neck out you know work on that trick elbow you know <laughs> stretch that lower back all right and we got one last question here from uh at archerman 2015 who says are you guys gonna have defunct land on at some point would absolutely love to hear y'all talk to him so defunct land is an awesome awesome youtube channel jeff that okay. i would love to send you some stuff he goes over old attractions that are no longer there and talks about the history of them, what happened to them, like what's going on with them now. And so it's all like defunct rides. And actually, I just recently watched his Back to the Future defunct land episode, the Back to the Future Universal attraction. And I love it. And, and I would love to have him on at some point and kind of talk about what it means to be. I don't, I don't know if that's his full time gig, if he if he makes only that stuff or if like how he got started in it. But, yeah, I would, I would love to talk to defunct land. If you haven't seen his stuff on YouTube, I highly recommend you go check it out. And I've talked about this before, but I, I want to reiterate that I you know, we are a, a newcomer to the whole theme park content scene. And I've been watching and listening to stuff for years of all of these things. The Park Stop podcast, you know, Tim Tracker, Disney News, All Ears. Like, there's so many things I even referenced today that are, are just, like, incredibly, incredibly cool things to check out. AllEars.net is great for Disney stuff. Jim Hill Media is fantastic. Mice Age. There's a lot of really, really cool information out there. And I, I highly recommend you listen to all of them, watch all the videos. The Theme Park History Channel is great as well. I've watched a lot of his stuff. And I will hopefully... I'm. Oh, it, Make sure I give credit to all these people whenever I use their information and content. But uh, but yeah, I would love to talk to any of these creators like the uh, um, Disney food blog. Those guys, like all they do is talk about Disney food, which I think you would totally be into, Jeff. I'm into food. Well, we actually talked about so we're at Universal today when this is coming out. And we talked about maybe doing an episode while we're there about just snacks and treats we can get inside the park. What if I bought something for you and you bought something for me like treat wise like we find i find something that i think you're gonna love and you find something that you think i'm gonna love or hate and then we eat it and we talk about it for like a special one-off episode i think that's a great idea jack i'm all about making you eat stuff there's a lot of cool stuff we can do yeah while we're out there like we, we've got some ideas for other like ancillary kind of like one-off podcasts and things and we're gonna be filming things while we're out there that we'll probably release on roosterteeth.com on the roosterteeth apps and everywhere as well so 
if you want to check that out, that'll be great. But all right. Well, I think I think that's pretty much it for this episode, Jeff. Well, Jack, uh, once again, you've said it all. You've done it all. Congratulations. <laughs> uh, there's nothing left. There's still so much more to be said. About, so much the complete left. opposite of what he said. There's so much more to be said about It's a Small World. I will highly recommend if you haven't checked out the Imagineering story on Disney Plus, I want to say they talked about It's a Small World in some of the earlier episodes like the episode one or two. And yeah, that's always really, really cool, neat stuff. There's a lot of cool video from back then, like, uh, you know, Mary Blair working on the on the attractions and things. And yeah, so go check that out as well. But well, Jeff, uh, what is the one thing that you learned in today's episode? I learned two things today, Jack, and I'm Just ha- happy to tell you what those two things are. I learned that the Walt Disney World opened up in uh, two th- uh, 1955, and I learned Disneyland. that at Disneyland, yeah, and that it's the it's the Small World ride, uh, which originated at the New York World's Fair. Uh, I want to say. Fifth, sometime uh, it showed up uh, in uh, 1966 at Disneyland True. after Walt Disney got into a, a huge fist fight you said with the mm-hmm. owner of the World's Fair who said you can't have it back and he took it by brute force uh, a lot of people don't know that about him. He was a bit of a ruffian, and uh, <laughs> sort of a sort of a, if you if you're familiar with Austin history, Texas history, you'll you'll be familiar with come and take it. Sort of his come and take it moment. He took it, uh, took it all the way back to Disneyland. He loaded up on trucks from New York and drove it across country. I learned that. The other thing, uh, before the audience gets on me, I made a, a joke earlier about Mary uh, Blair. I, I know that Mary Barry is the woman uh, on... Uh, <laughs> I know that her last name is Barry. Uh, I knew that the entire time. I just thought the names were close enough to make the joke. Please don't correct oh, no. me. Please oh, don't. No, they've, please, they've, please, they've please, already please, responded please. in the comments already, Jeff. There They're is already... no need to correct me. I know who Mary Barry is, uh, and now uh. I know who Mary Blair is. They were just close names. Uh, And those are the two things I learned. Walt Disney fought all those people and uh, Mary Blair uh, baked a small world. (laughs) That's it. You nailed it. Congratulations. Uh, Again, I'm actually I'm going to take away your Imagineer crown. (laughs) That's That's after all of that. So. Thank you very much, everyone, for listening. Again, if you want to grab one of our shirts in the store, feel free to store.roosterteeth.com. If you want to give us a review, that would be fantastic because those reviews do matter. Um, People actually do pay attention to that stuff. And tell your friends. The the best thing you can do is let other people know about Annual Pass. We love making this podcast, and I would love to be able to keep doing that. And the more we spread this, the more people we get listening to it, the better and the more cool things that we can do, including like going to Orlando like we're doing in June, which is so, so cool. So thank you again, everyone. Jeff, thank you for being my co-host. I love making stuff with you. Love making stuff with you too, buddy. All right. Well, follow us on our social stuff, Instagram and Twitter at annual underscore pass. Email us annualpass at roosterteeth.com. We'll be back next week checking out Velocicoaster recorded live at Universal Studios. I am so freaking excited for that. It's going to be my first time to fly in like a year and a half. We're riding a roller coaster. It's going to be Jeff and I's first trip to a theme park together. It's going to be a good one. Make sure to check it out. Stay tuned next week. We love you. Stay safe. We'll see you soon. Bye, everyone. Bye-bye.